Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 216 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, it's been incredibly hot this week with daytime temperatures hitting in excess of 30 degrees Celsius. We had a very late night moving bees and some interesting ad hoc methods of releasing caged queens. Listen in for more tales of the unexpected. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, here we are again. The grains of sand keep falling through that hourglass. And that's us, another week closer to the main summer flow. It's been a particularly interesting week this week. Lots happening and some unexpected events that always catch us by surprise. You would think that knowing there are always going to be surprises in beekeeping that not much would surprise us, but every time it happens, I still shake my head in amazement. I'll come on to those little gems shortly. First though, and to carry on from last week, I wanted to share my experience with moving the first batch of bees to their summer meadow location, hidden away in the depths of the English countryside. Here, I really need to pause and just say how incredibly lucky I feel we are here in the UK to have such a wonderful landscape. I know we don't have rainforests or massive mountains, there are no vast deserts or huge grasslands, but we have a very green and pleasant land. It's always comforting to see that familiar countryside view of crops growing in the fields, hedgerows bright green with flowers from the dog rose or our brambles growing through them. Trees are in full leaf, giving a cooling green canopy away from that scorching midday sun, unless of course you happen to be a bee farmer and you have to inspect regardless of the weather. Anyway, that is also another story for a bit later. Let's get back to moving the bees. So this was the first move of the summer season using the new trailer. First off, the plan was to move empty supers and some of the hives full of bees at the same time. Overnight, stop for a few hours sleep, and then return the following day. So that's Sunday last week into Monday. Hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, as is having plenty of time to experiment before we load the trailer. Obviously, last Sunday we had neither. Firstly, I really should have loaded the trailer with some supers to see how they all fit on. The large 16 foot by 7 foot trailer is more than large enough to take an enormous number of supers all in one go, providing, of course, there are enough lashing points to fix straps to. Obviously, there wasn't. Before I go on, just a quick reminder to myself, Stuart, remember to engage the trailer handbrake before you start loading it on a slight slope. Fun times, luckily, it wasn't anything too steep, and the trailer only rolled a few feet before coming to a halt. 
Okay, it came to a halt against the tow bar on the truck, but at least it stopped. The fixings on the trailer are fine, just not really in the right position to allow straps to be fitted every half a metre or so. It meant that the stripped-down trailer, no sides or mesh, I did this to reduce the amount of weight I was towing, the stripped-down trailer needed fixing points all the way down the side so I could secure the supers safely, which I couldn't. After some time of head-scratching and moving supers around, we finally had a weird configuration of a large gap at the front of the trailer for the beehives to go into, then a gap then a stack of supers, then another gap, then another stack of supers, finally followed by another gap where I intended to put a few more beehives. All good fun, but it effectively meant we were using less space on the trailer and it would have probably been more effective to have used the smaller trailer completely loaded, something we plan to do this week. Anyway, the upshot of changing things around meant we were now about an hour behind schedule still needed to strap beehives up and block entrances before loading hives and heading out onto the road. To cut a very long story short, I messed up the move. It took a lot longer to get everything prepared and we didn't really get onto the road until nearly 11.30pm. Honestly, I hate towing a trailer full of bees. It just feels so stressful to me. It's always a relief when we reach our destination and on this occasion, it was no different. We managed to get about three quarters of the way down to the meadow before the truck started to overheat and that was mainly because I still struggle to remember not to change gear from fourth to fifth and keep the revs up at around two and a half thousand rpm. The truck works so much better like that rather than straining the engine at around 1500 rpm in fifth gear. I don't do this sort of thing very often, so getting used to it will take a while again, I guess. Maybe by the time we've brought them all back and we're shutting everything down for the winter, I'll have the hang of it once more. The farmer had, as agreed, left a couple of stacks of pallets in the meadow. These were scattered around in a haphazard, too-tired-to-care kind of way. This is always a much better way of sighting the bees rather than in a neat straight line. It prevents drifting and the potential spread of disease. The hives and the empty supers were unloaded just in time to admire the bright strawberry moon that was on show. And although tiredness was really hitting home, I still think being able to get out and about with the bees gives a rare opportunity to see things that I really wouldn't see in a more standard nine to five kind of existence. At 3.30 in the morning, owls, bats, deer, it's really quite magical. Now that I have that daydream out of my system, I can confirm that it was nearly 3.40am by the time everything was unloaded and entrances were opened to release the bees into their new surroundings. The sun was coming up, well almost. A quick drive to the rather salubrious overnight accommodation of a porter cabin type caravan and it was all I could do to get the sleeping bag out and fall asleep on it. I was woken by the farmer telephoning at 8.30am to see if everything went okay. Not much sleep was had, there was some kind of water pump that kept starting up every 15 minutes or so but at least I got some sleep. 
We still have issues with the truck overheating, even with the trailer stripped back, so I think I'm going to have to switch back to the smaller trailer for the rest of this year until I can afford to get a newer truck that can tow a larger weight. I really can't afford to lose the truck to a blown engine or something like that. Anyway, more bees to move over the next two or three weeks, so if we have any major challenges, I'll be sure to let you know. You're probably aware I've been introducing more bought-in queens. For the most part, it's been going really well. I have one queen that's not yet started laying, and she's from the first batch, so I don't think she's going to start laying now. It will be interesting to see how the UK breeder of these queens reacts and addresses my request for a replacement. I always think it's a good indication of the supplying company in how they address these issues rather than when everything is going fantastically well and there are no challenges. I'll let you know how I get on in due course, but as things stand, I think I'll be investing a lot more in bought-in UK-bred queens, so it could be quite a lucrative contract for someone who treats me fairly. Talking about queens, we had a couple of interesting and amusing things happen this week. Firstly, if you're a regular listener, you'll know we've been introducing queens via queen cages, and I've been taking it particularly slowly this time round to ensure that we get a positive release and acceptance. Well, that's been going really well, and all of the hopelessly queenless colonies have accepted the queens without exception. Confession time, where I messed up and Mr. Queen Cell, unfortunately the newly introduced queen, has been released and killed. A costly mistake and one that I hope that I wouldn't make, but trying to be quick and with so much more work to get through, these things will always happen I suspect. The queens we dropped into hives just earlier this week, we've now been round and broken the tabs off from the bottom of the cages. This opens up the fondant block and allows the bees to chew and eat their way through and release the queen. One of this week's little faux pas has been pulling the cage away from the frame too quickly and seeing the cage cover peel away and the queen disappear down into the hive, closely followed by a gaggle of workers. Beekeeping paralysis and panic sets in, as I imagine the poor queen being torn to pieces by an angry mob. But on this occasion, her pheromone had obviously spread far enough through the colony for her to be accepted, and when I finally did spot her again, she was head down in a cell of nectar feeding with a small retinue of workers encircling her, checking her out, as it were. Being fairly impatient to get these queens out of the cages and laying eggs meant I also took a little risk, something I've mentioned before and probably said I wouldn't ever do again. However, the desire to get the queen laying again got the better of me this week, and instead of cutting out the tab, I slid the cover off a couple of the new queen cages and released the queens straight onto a frame. It actually worked out fine. The workers around her just ignored her or tended to her rather than out and out attacking. So all was good in these hives. Flushed with this newfound success and confidence, I proceeded to the next hive, did the same thing, only this queen was far more flighty immediately trying to take to the wing, but being clipped, immediately disappeared down on the frame and into the hive. Being a little concerned, I checked out a few frames and couldn't really see her anywhere, so I decided to close the hive up and leave them to it. That's when I saw the queen scrambling around in the long grass, 
just outside the entrance to the hive. Again, a wave of blind panic as the queen attempted, unsuccessfully, to take to the wing. I don't very often use a spring-loaded queen catcher, but on this occasion it would have been very useful. If only I could have found the damn thing. Luckily, Steph was on hand to catch the queen and, once I reopened the hive, added a queen excluder between the floor and the brood box and pulled out a frame, we were able to unceremoniously dump the new queen back into the hive where, hopefully, she will now stay. Having all of these new queens is something of a revelation. You'll remember we have queens from last year, white dot queens, that we bought last year and also that were in the full-size colonies that we took ownership of this spring. We're now introducing new season queens, so yellow dot queens, and these, as I said, have gone really well. The very interesting comparison is with our own locally produced queens, and that's the willingness for our own queens to produce swarm cells, to attempt to swarm, and in a few cases, to actually swarm. We found one such colony just this week, and seeing several swarm cells on different frames took it as an opportunity to split this hive down into four three-frame nukes. Now, in doing this, I've immediately given up any chance of a crop of honey from this hive, but if all queens emerge and mate successfully, we'll see an increase of three new colonies to overwinter. I'm already thinking about next year, you see. It was while I was selecting the various frames to put into different boxes, brood here, food there, that Steph pointed out a second queen in this same colony. These bees were not only trying to swarm, but it seemed they'd got their timings wrong. It's not something you see very often in a swarming colony, as they'll normally swarm when the queen cells have been capped. What I'm thinking here is that perhaps they have tried to swarm, the older original queen being clipped has crawled back into the hive and started laying eggs again, as there were quite a number of eggs in cells, and they had waited until the first virgin queen emerged to maybe try swarming again, and we got in just in the nick of time. Sometimes we just get lucky, I guess. It certainly makes up for the times that we don't do so well. The colony was in a standard national beehive, and something I've noticed particularly this week is the relatively small amount of space that these colonies have in the brood nest area. Wall-to-wall -wall brood with very little food in pretty much all of the brood boxes. This then is probably why some beekeepers run a brood and a half, or a double brood box when using national beehives. It's also one of the reasons I'm going to switch everything I currently run into just Langstroth hives. Another reason is having the wrong equipment on the truck most of the time. Regardless of how much planning we do, there always seems to be a need for one more super or a queen excluder, and all we have on board is the wrong type. You'll remember we're running Nationals, 14x12, Commercials, Top Bar Hives and Langstroths. So, if you're looking to expand your beekeeping operation and you're running national, commercial or 14x12s, I'll have some stock to move on this autumn, so do get in touch before it's all spoken for. I have more bees to move this week, another trailer load going tonight, so I'll sign off for this week and start my preparations. 
For my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, do check out my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Music